Hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Bros Podcast. We are Two Bros. This is the Two Bros Podcast. Welcome, welcome. As you might have noticed, there's no intro music, which means I am back at sea again. And if that didn't give it away, probably the title did. So this is uh, Life at Sea Part Two, Episode One or Week One. And uh, well, yeah, it's it's been a week already. I I can't even believe it. And that's that's what I tell people. Like time just kind of flies at sea because uh, before you know it, it's uh, five o'clock in the evening and you're done with work. It's just it just flies off. And uh, just to give you a bit of a backstory and a recap, I know it's just kind of dropped in your, uh, on your lap just like that. Uh, I did, in fact, fly out on the twelfth, uh, close to midnight. Uh, turned thirty-three in the flight, mid-flight, on my way to Singapore. That was interesting. Uh, it was a new experience, and it's it's uh, funny that they're still first happening. You know, this is the first time this happened that I was, in fact, uh, mid-air when I when I turned thirty-three. Um, or not 33. I, you know, had a birthday mid-flight, and I was joining. I joined my ship on my birthday, so that was the first there again. So it's amazing that there's still uh, firsts happening. Um, you know, even after all these years of existence, I don't know. It's uh, interesting to say the least. But uh, yeah, joined the ship in a dry dock. I was I was hoping they, uh, you know, I would get to see the ship on the blocks, but uh, that didn't happen. Um, they had already flooded uh, the dock, not entirely, but uh, to a point where the propeller was submerged and had about six meter draft by that time. So missed that opportunity, but uh, it was still interesting. There was still a lot of work that needed to be done. We were in uh, Singapore for this dry dock, and normally they don't do crew changes in dry docks, but uh, this time they had a I don't know special kind of a need because the guys had been on board for a very long time, so they flew me out. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's interesting. Like you, uh, I mean, I'd see for so long, and this is the first time I saw the ship completely, uh, you know, up in arms. You know, there's just I didn't recognize the engine room because there's just stuff everywhere. There are pipes, there are hoses, there are scaffolding everywhere, and you you have to like walk over stuff to get get somewhere. It was just chaos, and uh, we had about two days uh, in the dock. But and there was still still a lot to do, and I was I was um, not entirely convinced if they'll be able to finish in time, and they didn't. But that that was part of the plan that they that we sail out of the dock because we no longer required. Uh, what you do is a dry dock. You normally uh, deal with stuff which is outboard, which is part of the hull, uh, overboard valves, bunch of things like that. That's the main uh, objective there. Uh, even your tanks, your tank plugs, your draining of stuff, and uh, whatever it is, so that got taken care of. So we were no longer required to be in the dock. So we sailed out, and we uh, sailed what five or six miles, probably more, ten miles maybe, and uh, dropped anchor at the inner anchorage, is what it's called. Uh, for reference, it's uh, the the harbor, the anchorage you see uh, when you're at Marina Bay Sands or Gardens by the Bay in Singapore. It's right in front of me. It's amazing. Uh, every night, and the, the lights go up, and the trees are doing their uh, light thing. <laughs> it's quite a show. It's quite nice. Uh, so yeah, we we uh, dropped anchor here, and then the work has uh, continued right after. A lot of painting, a lot of uh, stuff going on in the cargo holds. The you know. Uh, the uh, ventilation ducts needed to be replaced. Stuff going on in the engine room as well. Not that much, but I was surprised uh, they did in fact manage to clear everything from the engine room. 
in the, in the, the two days we were uh, in Rydock. Uh, I mean, at least when I was in the on you know I was on board, they cleared everything and uh, we were in fact able to set sail. Uh, where we go from here, I'm not sure. I I just found out we'll be sailing on the 21st, but that's to the outer anchorage where more stuff is going to get done because we clearly have way less fuel on board. Um, no, probably need to refuel uh, and uh, get going again. And then the sketch first scheduled port is on the 3rd of July. So we're going to be around for a while. And uh, yeah, I guess time will tell. Maybe in a subsequent episode, I'll divulge that information. But yeah, it was it was always on my list to either uh, attend a dry dock or a new building. And technically, yeah, I kind of did, sort of, yeah. But it's it's a it's a nervous few uh, it, it was a nervous few uh, minutes slash hours when we were in fact sailing out. I managed to get a good time lapse. I set up my phone and uh, did in fact catch the gates going down and uh, us sailing out. That was interesting. You can probably hear a lot of chipping going on in the background. I don't know how this mic is set up if it's picking up picking that up or not. But yeah, we did in fact set sail. Managed to get some systems going. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're still not entirely there yet. And yeah, it's been that kind of week. You've just been running around, getting systems done, securing stuff, throwing away lots and lots of garbage, and uh, just waiting for instructions, I would say. And uh, yeah, that's that's where we're at right now. Uh, I have been uh, putting up a lot of pictures, a lot of uh, videos uh, on Instagram, and I've been getting a lot of questions, so I have written some of these questions down. I, I understand that people uh, are not entirely well versed with this line of work. So it's it's understandable. So I have a few questions here that came to me. I mean, I did answer them right away, but I thought I'll uh, include them in the episode here and uh, just to give you a bit of a, a little more of an insight of what life at sea. So the first question came to me was, uh, what happens in an emergency? Like something happens and you have to rush back home. What happens? Now, that depends on the, the company you're in. Uh, we, I did in fact experience this, not personally. We had a crew member on board. His brother was in the uh, police in in the Philippines, and there were some uh, riots or something, and he was shot. And he found out while he was on board, and he had to uh, immediately set sail. Uh, sorry, head back home. We were in fact, I remember at that time we were between uh, somewhere between Madagascar and. Uh, Mauritius somewhere there. So the minute we received uh, this information, we are not supposed to hit Mauritius, but as soon as we found out, we increased speed, diverted course, and uh, stopped right outside Mauritius. A boat came and picked him up, and he was uh, allowed to fly back home. This was obviously pre-COVID. This was before COVID, so uh, I mean he could get a direct flight. In a different case, I, I remember another friend uh, had lost his has lost his father, and he was allowed to step off the ship in Malaysia, but Malaysia had their own COVID restrictions. So he had to, in fact, quarantine for 14 days before he could fly back home. I am not sure if he made it in time for his father's funeral, but yeah. So it depends on companies. Other companies, I mean, I haven't, I'm not entirely sure, but some companies would wait till you hit uh, the next convenient port and then sign you off. Others divert course right away. It it depends. It's it's hard to say. At least my company, and from what I witnessed, uh, it does happen. So, yes, even if you have a legitimate reason, you can tell them and fly back. But again, now it's it's different because you need the countries also to cooperate. I mean, if there are, if there are no flights back home, what are you going to do? 
like uh, for instance uh, i think it was the, the first lockdown this was uh, june 2020 i had a crew member who was um uh, expecting to be a dad very soon his wife was uh about due to give birth and he completely missed it he was due for a sign up but there were no flights back from uh, i think it was nigeria ghana wherever wherever we were so I totally missed that but yeah i mean covid has just thrown a spanner in uh, basically everything so it's it's all a big whoop and we don't know what's what's coming there is a semblance of normalcy now so yeah bit more predictable i guess all right next question uh food so they asked do you only i understand where this comes from paris of the caribbean food and uh, you know tinned cans and uh, uh alcohol in barrels <laughs> none of that none of that is true well we do have tinned cans of course like baked beans and stuff but uh we take provisions like uh, you would take provisions for your fridge uh, vegetables meat whatever again meat stays frozen vegetables stay uh, you know around 4 or 5 degrees we have big storage rooms where the stuff is stacked and uh, it so happens it's it's my responsibility to make sure that the provision compressor the refrigeration for the provision plant does happen uh correctly and the set points are maintained because we all know if you, if your meat is not properly stored you can get maggots you can get can get infected it can be all kinds of problems infections and what not so that's one of the things i look after and uh so we pick up provisions at a port and that's good for let's say one round trip a couple of months maybe it stays there it's good um and following that we pick up more provisions so yeah and uh, glad to say during covid at least this this was not disrupted we were getting provisions on time i mean barring the time we were uh, stuck at anchor outside nigeria we couldn't go in we were really really low on provisions and uh, even fresh water for that matter but we made it work and uh, yeah another thing they asked me is about meal times and can you in fact cook on board meal times uh, it's uh, 7:30 to 8 is breakfast lunch is 12 to 12:30 or 12 to 1 in some cases dinners 5:30 to 6:30 i know that's early and more a lot of people ask me what happens when you get hungry later at night uh, or what do you do you do have options you can uh, they leave stuff out you can uh, fix yourself a nice peanut butter and nutella sandwich you can have some cup noodles you can salads always out uh, in the fridge you can you have access to that uh barring that it's up to the chief cook if he's okay with allowing people into his galley uh, accessing stuff they can cook but i would tell you i mean i cook when i'm home but the motivation to cook when you're at sea is just not there you would uh, much rather just bite down on some cookies and just forget about it and um, yeah i would say people have uh, people have done that uh, i remember on my last trip we had it was diwali i think and people did in fact go make dal in the in the in the galley and our, our cook was i think he was ukrainian and um, he wasn't sure what dal is so <laughs> he called it lentil soup but uh, yeah anyway the indians had to do something indian on diwali so we made uh, they made dal i was just uh, one of the consumers and uh, so yeah I, i suppose that covers food and uh, the last question i got this week was about dating they like how do you manage to date when you're uh, sailing and what's it like uh, i'll be honest it's uh, it's surprisingly difficult to get dates when you're when you're sailing uh, 
it's it's amazing because ships now have Wi-Fi and it's it's pretty decent. You can have audio calls, even video calls on a good day. So the technology is there, but it's it's weird that people don't want to get into a long distance thing. And it's uh, it's it's happened uh, multiple times. Like as soon as you mention you're a sailor and you're away for three months at a time, it's immediately a full stop right there. And it's not just in India. It's even when you swipe outside India that after you get a match and you tell them what you do and you're just here visiting for a few days and you're not uh, going to be here after a while, they, it just stops. I yeah, it's it's weird because I remember back in the day people used to live on letters and telegrams and they made it work. But now even with like you're a text away, that's it. You're just one text away. Like even the engine room now has Wi-Fi. The control room at least has Wi-Fi. But uh, it's it's uh, something people are not uh, keen on getting into. Long distance uh, can be hard, but it is uh, very, uh, very doable. I have done it in the past. Uh, you just got to find somebody who is uh, willing to put in the hard work. It is hard work. I, w I won't lie to you, but uh, I would say it's worth its reward. Like when you come back, it's like a first date again. You know, it's you're meeting your, it's the, the nervous uh, energy is back and you're, uh, you know, getting used to being around each other again. So it's a bit of a nervous excitement. And I have experienced that in the past. So it's, I would say it's interesting to say the least but uh, yeah I would say most people don't even want to look past the fact that you're not going to be around for three months uh, they also have this misconception that you're gone for six months at a time that again depends on uh, what company you're in and what rank you're in some companies like I used to do five month contracts when I was a junior officer uh, now I'm uh, I have a three on three off contract so three months sailing three months home so, yeah, that misconception is uh, anyway prevalent and it's multiple times. Either they tell you straight away you're looking for someone who's around or they just stop texting you, they start ghosting you or uh, in worst, worst comes to worst, they end up cheating while you're sailing. That does happen. So, yeah, that's it's it's hard. It can be done if you find the person, if you find a person committed enough to make it work, it's easily doable. And... Uh, just to put a little bit more more information out there, this is again the company policy. COVID, of course, has uh, maybe changed it, but it's not officially changed. You can, in fact, bring your spouses on board to sail with you. I think it's one contract per year that it's allowed and the company will pay for it. The second time, also, you can bring your spouse, but this time you got to pay from your own pocket. That's what the rule says. And the other thing is if you are, you don't even need to be married. The other thing is if you can prove you've been living together for about a period of two years, uh, a live-in couple, not officially uh, married, you can still bring them on board. Yeah, that can happen. So you're not entirely cut off anymore. It, and you have a possibility of uh, bringing your spouse on board. I've sailed uh, multiple occasions where uh, wives are on board and sometimes even uh, kids, like the second engineer's kids were on board. Many years ago, I was that was 2015, 2016. At the same time, the captain's kids were on board. So they were like kids running around. And <laughs> yeah, it was, it was insane. But yeah, there you have it. Uh, if you have any more questions, let me know. You know, leave a comment. Uh, I can, I'm glad. I'll be happy to answer them uh, just to shed some more light about uh, what, we do, what we actually do here and what life at sea is like and try to remove some misconceptions. Oh, yeah, another question I got. Uh, sorry, just <laughs> came to me about uh, women at sea. I on my last ship we did a podcast with a lady seafarer. I have covered that topic in the past, but again, it's it's very rare. I think in my ten years of sailing, I've uh, 
sailed with three women three or four women that's that's basically it and they're more mostly on i would say the navigation side or the electrical engineers haven't sailed with the lady engineer i would say till date there was a cadet on my last trip but uh, that was it and uh, very it's yeah it's it's i mean things are being done i mean the industry has been called male dominated but i'm not entirely sure if this is something which is appealing it's this career is appealing to a lot of women i'm not saying all women i'm saying a lot of women i mean given the option they would much rather do something else i would say that's just uh, my opinion i wouldn't say it's male dominated it's just that women don't want to be here could it be i don't know get in touch if you're a lady see if you're a leave a comment tell us tell me what you think about it i'm not entirely sure but uh, a lot of initiatives are being done to promote uh, recruitment of women there is in fact a women only batch which is going to get started in india uh, in fact in my old college in chennai it's it is happening and uh, yeah let's let's see what uh, what that's like and uh, yeah i would say that covers that anywho so there you have it uh, this was uh, week 1 Uh, we have a couple of busy weeks ahead a lot of uh, work pending and god knows where we might end up rumors circulating that since our cranes are no longer on board we might end up going anywhere now because we are a regular ship we no longer africa specific so we might go somewhere else a sister ship was in fact just deployed to the united states from the east coast uh, miami charleston uh, jamaica i know jamaica is not us but yeah that that circuit barbados that circuit So god knows where we might end up we don't have an official uh, confirmation on that yet the schedule at the moment still sh- uh, says africa I wonder if that might change and i hope it does i'm kind of done with africa it's so boring there uh, anyway it's nothing not much i can do about it uh yeah so leave us a comment give us a like give us a rating if you have any more questions get in touch throw some questions my way i'll answer them as and when i get to the w- end of the week try to record episodes every sunday that's when i get some time to myself and uh, yeah i'll keep you posted about uh, life at sea stay tuned and see you next time bye